had a, sorry, <laughs> what well, have you been up to, Darren? I had a brilliant call during the week with uh, Mary Fitzmaurice McBride, and so Mary is like she's one of the people that runs the cultists in Melbourne, and right. I, she's been giving me names for different things for different suggestions of people over the year. She's been one of the early people that started listening to the podcast and has been backing us, and um, so I'm on the phone and we were talking about. Uh, playing music with people online mm-hmm. and and what it's like and I think it's interesting because like both of us have just finished the um, O'Flaherty retreat that, yes and, yeah, and to, it's very hard to do it from Australia at different times so we didn't get to experience every class because a lot of them were happening at like 4am but we were definitely popping in for the things that we could pop in and I think I had a bit more time so I, I was definitely popping into um, a little bit more of the the sessions and stuff like that, but one thing that really hit me was it was the first thing in nine months that made me feel like I was actually somewhere, right? So somewhere else. Yeah, I felt like I was there. It was the strangest feeling. So let's say, so the classes were pre-recorded, so that was fine. That felt kind of pre-recorded. Yeah, which which is fine. But I kind of, I suppose my initial emotion was i was kind of like a bit let down and i knew it was going to be recorded yeah but then i felt like oh it's just a recording i'm not getting what i get from a workshop normally so that's when i really started making an effort to to turn up for whatever it was it could be someone just having a chat like or Mm -hmm. or a dinner with someone and i felt it was so weird i felt like i was i was at something which was great on one hand right because you get the the emotion of you being involved and like when I go to these things, and I often go to kind of retreats and festivals like this on my own, oh. you're never off the road. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm also very. Um, I go. I'm not. I'm not overly gregarious. I, I would be a shy retire with a lot of them. Like I, I don't mind meeting people. But you just I'm, go and hide in your tent. Well, no, but I like. I won't. I'm not overly like. Hey, meet everyone. I'll kind of like just keep myself and like. I get a good check on. Brilliant. If not, it's it's not what I'm there for anyway. And I kind of felt like that because you'd pop in, you'd have a listen and a chat and a bit of a nod with someone, and you'd. And you go back and forth. And that, for me, in the moment, really gave me a bit of an awakening. I was like, this is, I didn't know I was missing this so much. Yeah. The weird side of it is when you'd hang up, it was like, uh, you know, when you're at a festival or a retreat where you're staying there and you kind of, one session kind of finishes up and you kind of add a bit of a loose end. You're like, oh, I'll just, I fancy a bit more music. I'll, I'll go for a stroll. I'll find something. Yeah. And you can't. Like you hang up and then yeah. I'm, I'm back to the kids. Yeah. So this brings me to Mary. <laughs> and Mary had listened, I think, to Una's episode. Una Monin, remember when yes. she played the um, played the music from her CD or, or digital yep. version rather than playing live. And that was due to the emotions behind playing to nobody to a screen. Anyway, long, this is a long way of getting to one of the best ways of summing up the feeling of sitting in front of a computer and playing music for people. And she said, Darren, you know what it's like? It's like going out for Christmas dinner to somebody else's house. And it's great, but then you go back to your own house and there's no smell of turkey. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> the best thing you've ever... It's For me, it sums up the feeling I get every time I close the computer after playing. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Because I, I used to do things with... Um, Chris Fitzgerald at the last jar and I pop in yes. for his session and stuff yes. and I play and it was it wasn't as strong an emotion but this time because I really I knew there was other music somewhere in the mm-hmm. world I was like oh damn it I want to do yeah, it yeah yeah there wasn't the smell of turkey that's that's so brilliant isn't um, it I have to say like so 
um, as you mentioned there, I had like a really small windows and it was just really, it was virtually impossible for me to do any of the live stuff. So I've been working through the. He has. The, daily he rocks up and says, the, I've got, I've got a new tune. This is what you do. The tune. whistle stuff with um, Joni Madden, the whistle tunes with Joni Madden, which has been totally brilliant and uh, transformative. And look, I'll tell you what, like, it's really funny because she, she's just like, every time it's this, um, it's like somebody. Um, gives you a metaphorical boot up the arse before you start. She's, she's got such a sort of positive energy and she's like, I mean, so it's amazing. Anyway, the other thing that has amazed me about it really is that um, since they decided to go virtual with it, um, and this will sound like I'm just saying this because we spoke to Ken, you know, weeks and weeks ago. And, and I, I remember being amazed by his ability to essentially invest his time in establishing a music community you know with mm -hmm. like-minded people yeah. over a period a long period of years where he lives in dallas right and i was just amazed by how they managed to construct this entire online set of experiences in the course of like five six months it's phenomenal yeah. i mean totally brilliant for me i like what i i kind of take my hat off to them because it was so much attention to the the extra stuff which for I, someone like me I, who's like i signed up for the fundamentals of fiddle maybe in two years i might be good enough to to start doing it. Like i still need to get even more familiar with my instrument than even going into a fundamentals class but i know from experience from going to other things that it's the workshops or it's the side conversations it's the listening to kevin crawford have dinner with people listening to like james um keen his chat on the he did two but his his first one that i got to sit on like amazing sentiments about you know every time he plays a tune that the people who are passed on they come back for an encore mm -hmm. and they leave again like just those moments that just sit in your heart that's what's missing or had been missing for me for the for the usual facebook mm -hmm. live things which i think everyone's getting a bit fatigued at yeah. at the moment anyway that's been that's been the turkey in the kitchen smell. <laughs> so thanks well, for that, Mary. Uh, yeah, that's that's great. I I will hold that in my head. That's a great that's a great image. Um, today's guest is Tara Hailey. Um, she's uh, as you'll hear, multi instrumentalist. She's one of those people who just picks up an instrument and plays it, and it just seems so easy. And I know she's put in a massive amount of work, but clearly there's just an amazing natural mm -hmm. talent there. Currently, she tours with Riverdance or was before the pandemic hit and she just has a lot of things to say about music and about having a presence online and and dealing with the the pros and cons of having a very active online presence um mm. so yeah lovely conversation coming up and cracking tunes yeah just before we go i'm just going to give a thanks to the one or two people that went over to patreon and um, became patron saints this week you're bloody legends thank you so much straight to heaven yeah straight to heaven so nice like I, top I floor the patron saint <laughs> thing was such a like we shouldn't do this and for me it's i don't know it's a real sentimental spot like i really do feel like patron saints is so funny but it means so much. Anyway, thank you to those that have gone over. If this is the week that you think you might want to become a patron. Also, I should mark the reason why we say this every week is people come and go. People leave all the time. So we do need to at the start try and get people to go over there because it's the only way we can continue to do it. So I should say as well, like yeah. uh, um, I listened to an old episode of this show mm -hmm. a few nights ago 
like a really old one like one? episode i don't know like episode 17 or something and i was amazed because i thought that our wording for this had evolved over the that time. we we said ex- almost word for word exactly the same from episode 17 till now so my point being if you're still listening and you're still listening to this you must really love this podcast so you know head on over to patreon.com forward slash blarney pilgrims and invest in your own well-being by (laughs) becoming a patron i like that all right so with that should we get on with tara hiley let's do it enjoy Tara Howley, welcome to the Blarney Pilgrims podcast. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. So what were those tunes? Um, the first tune, I um, surprisingly know the name of both of these tunes, which to anybody that knows me Get out. will know that this is a <laughs> rare, a rare, rare, rare occasion. Um, the first one is composed by Joni Madden, um, a fantastic whistle player, and it's called The Cat's Meow. I actually feel so proud, you know, knowing that I know the names. <laughs> and the second tune um, is a tune that I love playing uh, because it is a Ward's jig, and it's um, it's a big Kilfenora tune. Kilfenora is where I'm from, by the way. And um, mm. it's uh, I grew up hearing this tune and played a lot um, by my sisters and uh, my dad. So yeah. It's uh, Ward's Jig is the second tune. It, it, 
is that is that why you picked those two in particular yes. just to, they were yeah. front of your mind and it is indeed. Yeah. it's funny that 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 tune uh words um i actually that was one of the first tunes i learned to play oh really we, oh really enough, i don't know i don't know why yeah 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 um i i think i learned it as seamus words yeah it could be that, yeah there's a couple of names yeah. on it actually um i as always with tunes yeah i know i know there's actually i was teaching and um i had given i had given like a, a a wrong name of a tune and or well it was another name for a tune and um uh-huh. it was funny you know i actually then i was intrigued and i looked up and there is about i don't know i think 14 different names on the tune and i was like wow <laughs> trying to shazam that wouldn't be fun you know it's like <laughs> i do I, there is something really um uh if you if you're into cataloging things and um the naming of things and the listing of things i do love the uh, have the idea that a tune can have have many different names 16 different names yeah yeah it's almost like it has all these different um clues to its history in that list of names you know yeah exactly and then um, or if a certain musician was kind of known for playing a tune it would be called like we have a tune we have a set of yeah. tunes and we call it like the pather set because we used to always play it with pather riley um a great flute player from yeah. um he's originally from dublin but uh we used to play in doolin together and, and paul stafford and uh we used to say oh, we'll play the pather set you know um and then i remember i was actually doing a concert at, in, in um we were in the netherlands and I introduced the set as a pather set without even realizing what I had just done. And then, you know, it was going to be way too long of a story to explain that it wasn't actually called the pather set. So I just kind of laughed to myself and thought it was hilarious <laughs> and then couldn't explain why I laughed either. So I just put my head down and started playing. <laughs> the best jokes are the jokes that are laid out solely for oneself. Oh, stop. <laughs> I find anyway, they're the funniest. Yeah, I know. And then and me. even if they're not, you're like, well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> I have one friend who I, I I embarrass myself constantly on purpose. He does just so I can go and tell this friend of mine, Brian Byrne, who lives in New Zealand. Yeah. And I've I've been doing it all my life, and I just it makes me laugh more than anything else. Just dying of doing something just so ridiculous, knowing that I get to tell that story in <laughs> months' time next time I see. Him. Embarrassing stories during concerts are the worst, especially when like I I think like doing a, an intimate concert in front of people that you know or that you kind of half know is the most nerve-wracking thing like put me out in a concert and if there was you know if you told me there's 50,000 people I'd be like grand no bother but in front of a you know a group of 10 or 12 people or even 20 I would be actually <laughs> sick with nerves like physically why is it why is that for you um, like what, what, what playing in front on. of musicians um, that you kind of know and that you you know would respect as musicians um, and knowing that you know they it's kind of that awkwardness of you know them but you don't know them well enough to be like hi how are you it's kind of like a hello and then you both have that you know I, I know a lot more about you and you know you know it's like that kind of Oh, so you know and I think playing in front of those kind of audiences just I remember there's a gig I did up in Dublin and um I dad was in the audience and um I won't mention where or what it was because I don't think that's fair <laughs> but I was doing the gig and there's about 30 people there and I I obviously being from like Kilfenora, like a lot of our music would be dance music would be quite fast and um 
and um, but I, I love playing slowers um especially in the pipes and anyway um I was you know I, I said some some joke or something about something and uh let's just say they didn't really have the humor of uh a, you know a good Kilfenora <laughs> good West Clare humor they didn't understand that I made some joke or something and then uh like literally nobody laughed only dad and I was like oh I was actually looking for dad I just kept I just kept eye contact on him I was (laughs) like it was probably the worst experience (laughs) but hilarious now you know but I remember being yeah. oh my god what is happening is this actually you know you hear the stories about it like I'm sure people probably are listening you know to this now going well that would never happen in real life it does and it did and it's awful (laughs) (laughs) and there's a video of it which makes it worse there's a video on the internet and i'm not telling anybody ever what it is maybe in 10 years time we're gonna put it in the show notes (laughs) we're black belt googlers i'm telling you (laughs) hey uh, what i want to ask though when you're talking about um how you maybe get more nervous in front of 20 rather than 50,000 I haven't played that, in front of 50,000 like, people, to, but, you know, maybe if I, <laughs> someday. 45,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was wondering, because I'm trying to relate it to to my life and what I do, and, like, when I'm around other um, advertising creatives, often that's when you're at your, you get a kind of bit of a wobble. And that, I think, it's the kind of the imposter syndrome really comes out heavy in those situations. Is that what it's like for you as a musician in that circumstance? Or is it more the the perceived personality of who, perception of who those people might be yeah I think um yeah similar to what you say like I think you kind of um you overthink you know kind of what you're doing and especially if you know that group of people will be in the same niche as you you know so um let's just say I was playing pipes in front of a group of pipers I would overthink everything on my own style I'd be like oh god I don't know and I would even try to kind of maybe adapt how I would normally play to suit what I think that particular audience might like which is totally wrong and I don't do it anymore I used to do it um and I feel like all of us kind of in life kind of do things like that or I know you might say something that you know somebody might find funny you know and I think that's the problem with people actually being afraid to kind of express themselves and to kind of be, you know, everybody's unique. Do you know what I mean? Like we're all uniquely different. Um, and it's kind of trying to find that balance between, okay, this is actually who I am and I don't really want to fit into a category. You know, you kind of have to make your own category. Um, and yeah, that's kind of why I, I suppose before, like even now if I was playing in front of a, um you know group a small group let's say um it's something you just have to work on you know just accepting accepting Mm -hmm. yourself your style who you are and not trying to find into that kind of it's an imaginary bracket I call it because I feel everybody is kind of not many people will say it but they all are kind of like oh god I don't know what they'll think and what about if I do this and what about if I upload that and like what are they going to think of that like I don't think that's good and that's not perfect and like there's absolutely nothing perfect you know like you can do something Mm -hmm. to the best of your ability and the word perfect you just have to like it's like just leaving your ego at the door because I think that's what people are basing their you know, if you, if, you know, feed your ego instead of feeding their soul, you know, God, I sound so deep, but you know what I'm saying? Um, it's kind yeah, of just yeah. like trying to find that balance between, um, 
actually being happy with what you are playing, what you are doing, what you kind of stand for and standing by it and, you know, kind of putting it out to the universe. Some people will like it, some people mightn't like it and that's okay, you know, um, but I really just encourage anybody, like any musicians, any singers, artists, dancers, painters, creators, writers, anybody, um, you know, just, you know, I, I actually read a quote that Dermot Kennedy said and he was like, you're never going to get there you're never going to create your own path if you're walking on someone else's. And it was like, oh my gosh, right. like, isn't that just so kind of, it's just so profound. It's such a great mm-hmm. way of saying, you know, not to kind of, because we do put ourselves down. Uh, you yeah, know, you, you would, if you were in a group with other, you know, advertising creators, you know, you'd kind of be, oh, I don't know, like, what are they going to think? You know, whereas they, you look at them and they're like, this is what I'm doing. And you're kind of like, oh my God. And I think that just comes from a place of insecurities as well. You know what I mean? You're just like, yeah. how are you so confident? <laughs> you so, do you remember finding your voice? Um, like, do you remember? Like, yes, I do. When and that shift is starting to happen? Yeah, I do. Um, I actually, um, believe it or not, I about four days ago. Now, I found it before that, obviously, but... Um, I actually found it when I was two, much to my parents' dismay, but um, I haven't stopped talking since. Um, but I started, um, I suppose, going back, um, I started doing music full time when I was uh, 20. Yeah, I took a year out after my leaving search. And um, I repeated my leaving search. I didn't get the points I wanted. And then I repeated. And then I took a year out. And in that year, I made my first CD. And I kind of decided that, right, this is music, what I want to do. Um, And that was all grand. And then it went through a kind of a... I I did that. And then um, I got, you know, Riverdance. And then I toured at Riverdance. And I learned so much in Riverdance um, in terms of you know, working with different cultures, working with different uh, people and kind of just learning and accepting that not everybody is going to think like you and not everybody is going to have the same belief system as you, which I think is the best education I ever got because, you know, when you're when you when you're growing up in, in one part of Ireland all your life, you know, you're not really exposed to, say, for example... Um, like if if somebody said if somebody said to you what do you think of my jumper okay and if the jumper mm-hmm. wasn't nice you'd be like um i you know did you do you have another one to try on whereas you know one of my friends uh was like it's horrible and like <laughs> it's kind of you'd be kind of like oh my god that's so mean why would you say that's horrible even you know yeah. But it's just that kind of, you know, you learn so much about their personalities and, you know, kind of you might beat around the bush more than than you should and just say, I don't like the cardigan. If you like it, you buy it. But in my opinion and uh, small things like that, you know, um, and you learn a lot about yourself and how actually you, I suppose, react in different situations. And that Mm -hmm. actually all helps with giving you your own voice because you're learning about who you are, you know. Um, but a couple of days ago, I um, obviously since COVID hit, um, I've been writing a lot and I've been doing a lot of um, songwriting. And um, 
I was starting to struggle because I had so I have so many songs written. I'm actually looking at my book here beside me, and um, yeah. I have so many songs inside of this book. And the fear, the absolute fear of releasing a new song and you know it not being Irish music or a jig or a reel, you know, it just petrified me yeah. so much that I would actually keep writing and just not release at all. And I wouldn't be a very shy person, but when it comes to something new, you know, I'm not going to put on a persona of everything is great. I'm like so confident. You know, I would be really nervous about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas if you asked me to play a tune on the pipes, I'd be like, do you want a reel? Do you want a jig? Do you want a slow tune? You know? Um, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I was saying it to mom and dad and I was like, I just don't know what path I want this to go down like do I want it to be folk do I want it to be Irish music you know should I you know but this is mostly kind of pop and then I was like but like I don't think I'm pop either I don't think I am kind of anything and it was just this constant kind of like I had every ingredient for like a cake but I just couldn't put them together so like you know I had I had all I had everything for it I just didn't know what cake I wanted did I want a strawberry cake or did I want a cheesecake or you know you know what I mean it's like you have what you need for it but it's kind of deciding and then I was actually talking to um uh, Bill Whelan um so he's a composer Riverdance and he sent me a gorgeous picture of um the moon um over Inishnee um and I I looked at the picture and anyway I just I just wrote a couple of lines that I just kind of got in actually do you know what I'll actually read it out for you now that I'm here hold on I'll get my phone oh lovely thank you um it's not anything like Seamus Heaney but there we go again you see I'm victim to it too like not victim but I'm I'm um I'm guilty of it too uh I'm see see just there I was like oh just Seamus Heaney now but you know um (laughs) Hold on now, where is the message here? Um, one second, one second. I'd like to say, um, there's a line in a um, Bellex One song, uh, and he was saying, uh, what does he say? Um, but you're not Maud gone, but you're not Maud gone, but then again, neither was she. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> it's one of my favourite lines. Mm, yeah. Um, one second now. Okay, so here's the... Um, so it's basically just um, the moon um, appearing over Inishini. And anyway, I said, what lies in the sky, a magic of the night. The moon and its reflection gives Inishini its light, stillness and peace, a time to reflect. I think these are the moments some search lifetimes to get. And um, anyway, I that just kind of inspired me. That was at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah. And then I just kept on writing that day and, um, you know, kept on going and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I sat down and mom was in the kitchen and I had a song written about a year ago and the lyrics just came back into my head and I hadn't actually even, I hadn't thought of it at all. And yeah, so it's, it's we're going to start working on it um, hopefully in December. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that. It's uh, finally, wow, finally yeah. going doing it, but it was actually, something just clicked and I was like, oh my God, I have it. And all of a sudden, it just felt like eight or nine for seven, seven to nine months of wondering, okay, what's from here? Like, what's now? And it all just like fell into place. And um, yeah, it was when you just said, you know, did you find your voice? I was like, 
the, the feeling of I think we're always going to be finding our voice. You know, I feel like we're going to be. And it's also, you know, I wonder if um, each of us have more than one voice. You know what I mean? It's a it's a useful way of thinking of defining yourself in one in one aspect. But this album doesn't necessarily define you solely, right? You've got everything else as well. So it's yeah, exactly. And it's not just like defining yourself by one piece of music. You know, it's just it's a part of who you are. It's not all that you are. You know, because there are parts that yeah, like the the work that you produce is is um, is. It, it's really like different versions of yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. As, as you go through life. And that's yeah. always changing, you know. Yeah. I think part of of what you're talking about comes down to as well, like I've only spoke to you a, a small piece before this, but I've, I really get the impression that you have an incredible work ethic. And I think part of that comes from that. What I was wondering is, do you think we could have a tune or a set of tunes or a song and then I'd like to come back and actually kind of maybe look at your your beginnings and then go get into that work ethic yeah. because I think that is actually what's playing such a big role behind it all. Yeah, absolutely. I will play a tune um, on the... Thank you. 
that was a beautiful chord to finish. Oh, there. thank you. <laughs> Uh, what were what were those? Those were the three Cusfenoras. <laughs> again, if you haven't guessed. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, again, those are tunes um, that I have been... I think that was actually one of the first sets of tunes I learned um, on as a set. You know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. And I was so... I used to be so proud. Still am very proud, actually, playing them. I'm just looking out in our garden here, and I'm like... Yep, I'm playing the three Kilfenoras in Kilfenora. So it's always a kind of a... So no matter where we are in the world, I'll always play them just to feel that little connection with Kilfenora. Um, now, I just want to mention something that before we go on, like I know we, well, I said a lot to get into, but I just want to paint a picture for... Well, for, for me, and we were supposed to start a little bit earlier on and you sent me a message and you said, look there and I, I, I you have to give me an extra 15 minutes because dad, <laughs> dad has a cattle test and he needs me to stand in the road. <laughs> now, like I often talk about kind of romanticizing the West and the country. And like, that was just like, would you come on? You're winding me up. And now you're talking about looking out the window and kill a fenora in front of you. Is there a hare in the garden? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a stray calf. Like, <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm looking out here at the other side, and I have a beautiful Bernese Mountain dog who is uh, after jumping up, and she's looking at the window at me, wondering why on earth I'm not giving her belly rubs, you know. So she's on one side, and Dad's cattle test. Hopefully, by the time the podcast is out, his cattle test will have gone well. <laughs> Can you just because I've no idea, like what? Paint a picture for me. What like we all, you, you have to stand in the middle of the road? Are you literally like holding back cars, or are you holding back a flock of? Is it a flock of? It's not. It's a herd of the cattle. Yeah. So basically, yeah, um, I did go to school. Have you never? Have you never? Have you never sat in the car, Darren, with the cows either side? Of you? <laughs> have you never had that experience of like? It really. Yeah, but I'm thinking too for our listeners that haven't had that experience. Right, right. Okay, so yeah, for anybody that's listening that hasn't, yeah, that that doesn't um, really understand. So basically. Um, cows move uh, or cattle I shouldn't say cows a cow is female by the way for anybody that doesn't when people say cows um, a cow is female a cow is female only and cattle is kind of like the collective name so there's a fun fact um, my but, dad has told me that many times yeah. I should not have got that wrong <laughs> um, but anyway dad has had to move the cattle and um, basically uh, we have a couple of fields around our house and they graze in different fields at different times so when they need to be moved um usually you have to have two people because if they and the cars stop you know you're you're standing in the middle of the road and we have we're on to a main road like it's a it's um it's a regional road so it's not it's not a national road it's a regional road but then there's you know tertiary roads but we're um it's quite a busy road it's on the road to Lister and Varna which um is on the way then to Doolan um so we're about 10 minutes from Listing Verna and we're about 20 minutes from from Doolin so we're very close to the coast and we're then 10 minutes the other side about 15 minutes from Lahinch Beach so we're very close to the coast so the road is always very busy um, but when the cattle have to be moved the cattle have to be moved and the cars have to be stopped so you just stand out in the middle of the road and luckily it's a straight road so uh, the cars can see you and you just slow down the cars and you pray to the Lord that the cows don't run off or the cattle don't run off in the wrong direction because if they do you have to run twice as fast and stop them going up the other side and that's always very I, fun I, and then what's even better is when the people in the cars you know think that it would be a good idea to video all of this while the catastrophe is happening uh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. i'm like put down your phone and help please 
But a, 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 a galloping cow or oh, item of cattle. Oh, unstoppable. It's, it's a scary thing. It's not, Freaking it's not scary. to be messed with. Yeah. And I have a lovely image of my, uh, my, my granddad on my dad's side. Um, was a cattle farmer. Yeah. And they, all these stories, I never, I never saw it, but he used to bring cattle up O'Connell Street. He'd go to the market up in Dublin and then walk them back to Scaries. Yeah. And apparently the story is that he used to be walking them up the middle of O'Connell Street in the in the wee hours of the morning. I love that image. I, like, I don't know what year this, that would have been, but because they didn't move to, they wouldn't have been in Scaries really. It would have been in the seventies, maybe maybe sixties or seventies, sixties. Yeah. Again, my dad's rolling his eyes listening to this podcast. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> Anyhow, let's move on. Um, yeah. So so then uh, I was going to say that as a youngster, I I actually got got knocked over by a cow at my granny's farm oh really <laughs> um, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have been able to tell did you ever get knocked over as a youngster um, was, uh, by cattle I can still picture it running towards me oh I have I the, the, the scariest thing that ever happened to me um, I <laughs> it was one of my first times I suppose helping dad um, you know with the cattle and <laughs> I actually am still laughing thinking about it we were moving them from a field and I literally took my eye away for like a second. Now, there was somebody else kind of further up the road, but they were in their car because, you know, they assumed that I'd be able. But you see, I was like, I wasn't used to it, I suppose. Um, and anyway, a cow came out. Or, yeah, well, it was it was a bullock, actually. A bullock came out and um, not a bull now, a bullock. So, um uh, he, it's a female male. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've no idea. Yeah, it's a baby. Um, but anyway, he he came out and he just started running, you know, up the Liston Verna Road. And to the day I die, I'm not going to forget. Dad was like, I thought Dad was saying like, you know, go after him. So I start running after him. Me running after him just made him run faster ahead of me. And. <laughs> I just remember the sheer like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Cue the Benny Hill music. Yeah, oh no, oh no. <laughs> um, and yeah, just funny stories like that. But you know, it, it's it's it really is a magic place to grow up in. You know, like there's you know like it it we don't have like if. I remember I was in we were in England and just the difference now. Um, one of my friends. Some England, she was like, um, she was like, oh, but like, what, like, what do you do if you want to new top, like, to F the weekend? And I was like, um, well, you know, because we were staying in a hotel that was, let's say, 10 minutes from a, a big, massive shopping centre, and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is so cool. <laughs> you know, because at home, the yeah. public transport isn't a thing. Like, a bus goes from Kilfenora Village, I think, like, is it... I don't know three times a week and and it would take maybe two hours to get to a place that's half an hour away because uh, it has to stop off in all the places and <laughs> yeah, then it yeah. mightn't ju- it mightn't just turn up some days because you know it's the village you know so you'd yeah. have to have a car to go everywhere and you'd have to ask your parents you know can you drive me here please or you know get a lift somewhere and um, because you wouldn't have your own car until you know you're older but it was just that concept and she was like but I want you like, what, like, but if you wanted to get a new like jumper like, what, what do you do I was like, well, you have to ask your parents, can they drive you to Limerick, which is an hour away, or maybe to Ennis, if there's something in Ennis, which is half an hour away, or you just do without it. 
and it was, she just couldn't grasp the concept that you could actually hop on the tube and go shopping like that that was her biggest kind of concern and I was like never even crossed my mind it was like you'd get your you'd shop and the you know just the difference I was kind of like yeah but like look where we can go for walks you know we don't have to go into a town to go to a park like you literally just go outside your house and you have you know green fields everywhere that's why the lockdown here hasn't been too bad because at least we can walk and I suppose you know it's green everywhere so it's just like 40 shades of green when when you think about um growing up there um what what are your early musical memories right so like um my earliest musical memories um so i have two older sisters emer and sharon and um they were always always all as as in since i can remember any to any sort of a memory we were playing music and we all actually started on classical so i started classical violin um when i was four I think three or four um I actually think I was probably three because I was going into the lessons with my sisters and I was just kind of be like you know coloring away which was actually you know it was great like um because when I would be starting to learn the tunes then I suppose I started to I would have heard of them you know the, the classical pieces you know um and did you take to it easily oh I loved it yeah yeah I loved it mm. um I'm as in I loved it so much that like it was nearly a case of I had to be stopped <laughs> I had to be stopped from like I would I would do everything and then we were doing um Tim Whistle at the same time so we were doing classical violin and um trad Tim Whistle then with Gary Shannon at the same time so we really had the best of both worlds you know and thanks to mom you know for the hours of waiting and cars and you know lessons and dad as well driving us all over the country for you know Emer and Sharon I suppose did uh Emer is five years older than me and Sharon is two years older than me so you know there was quite different as in you know that like they would be able to help me by the time I was playing you know you know to be kind of helping me and um I yeah, I loved it. And then I started doing, um, I started, what did I play next? I used to just pick up anything that was in the house and then, uh, oh, the concertina, then I got, I got a concertina and then we were doing. Were there instruments around the house? Yeah. So just we had, a, we had a music room. Yeah. And inside in the music yeah. room, we had our piano and then there was everything. We had um, concertina, like mouth organ, drums, piano. Um, no, sorry, we All of we didn't we didn't actually have drums, but then I started drums. Um, we were in a Kaylee band, and for those um, that aren't really what, what a Kaylee band is, it's um, ten members, and you compete in a competition. So in each band, you have to have, um, like I said, ten ten musicians, and you need a drummer, you need a piano player. And then usually you'd have three fiddles, two flutes, a concertina and an accordion player. But you can change that with maybe, maybe a banjo or, you know, um, pipes or something. But one of the bands we were in, they had no drummer. And Gary Shannon said, you know, uh, does anyone here play the drums? On the off chance, he was laughing, making a joke. And I was like, oh, I can, you know. And Gary then went out to the car. I had never played them in my life. And Gary came out to the car and said to, to mom, I didn't know Tara played the drums. And mom was like, I didn't know either. <laughs> and, uh, 
anyway um but if i set my mind to anything i can you know if i set a goal for doing something i'd be quite determined in that kind of sense so anyway went a couple of days later i went down to my first drumming lesson to oliver o'connell uh, he's a great friend of mine actually and the reason i'm playing the pipes today is because of him so i went down for a drumming lesson and i was nine i think i think it was nine yeah i was nine and i went down for my drumming lesson or maybe i was ten I can't remember. No, I think I was nine and I was turning 10 that year because you had to be under 12 for the competition and I was one of the youngest in the band at the time. And anyway, I was learning the drums, Kaylee drumming. And um, then he, I had gone for a couple of lessons and my attention span is like quite short. And um, I think that's why I play so many instruments as well because... That's what I was... Yeah, because I, I can't I focus ask. Is that, is on... Is that related? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I can't focus on... Well, I can. I'm very determined on one thing, but if once I know it, then I'm like, okay, I want to do something else. You know, I want to do something else. See, you're very, you're very similar to me in that... Like, I used to bounce from instrument to instrument, but, but, but in my case, it was like, I'd start one and go... No, I'm shite at that one. I'll I'll just go to the next <laughs> one. No, I'm shite at that one as well, and just keep going, you know. But uh... yeah, but there, you know what? It's it's kind of I think um, when you're kind of on the level of oh, I want to be able to do it right. When you're not hearing results straight away, you're like oh, you know. Then you listen to somebody who's been playing for 15 years, and you're like, I want to be like that. And you know, you're there like five days in, going hmm. <laughs> So were you conscious at that at that point where you, um, you know, so say when you're nine or ten, are you conscious of any separation between the classical music you're learning and traditional music and other music that you're oh, hearing yeah. on the radio? Yeah. Or, is it, or is it all just one and you're No, like, no, no. It, there is a huge, um, there is a huge difference between, I suppose, the freedom. I used to describe it as like the freedom of trad because you could play a tune and I was learning everything by ear. And there's actually a funny story. Yeah. Um, I, you know, trad music, I used to learn all that, but I was learning everything by ear. You know, um, I remember one of our teachers, his name is Angelo Calcafuoco. He was uh, in Clear Music Makers and he came to do a few masterclasses and we had the same birthday. And I used to think like he was so cool. Like we had the same birthday and um, he's 19th of May, I'm the 19th of May, and he was, you know, doing kind of violin classes. But you see, in trad, you call it a fiddle, but in classical, you call it a violin. And in trad, the kind of posture for your hand isn't as, as strict as, I say, classical. And I remember um, I used to have everything by ear, like as in I'd learn the pieces having heard my sisters playing them, or if not, mom used to record them. But she was really ahead of her game, actually, in that sense. Like, that wasn't really a thing back then. This is like, you know, the 2000, this is in 2000. And we were actually on the toy show, which is an, it's an Irish, um, the Late Late Toy Show, uh, when I was six. And we got to meet. Yeah, we're um, jealous. Yeah, oh my God. I still talk about it. <laughs> I'm 26. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> that was like. The, I see Zig and Zagger back the, too. I know. I know. And it was like my news of the day. Do you remember news of the day where it was like, you yeah, know, yeah, like your news of the day in school? My news of the day was that for about three years. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did. And, and, and I, I knew the difference because um, I recognized that classical, there was nothing by ear, whereas trad, you know, a lot of a lot of other kids were learning by ear as well in trad. You know, they you know, they play the tune and you'd learn it. 
Um, but there was actually, we were doing a concert, a classical concert, and um, I was playing a concerto, and um, I was, there's two stories actually, I was playing a concerto, and the notes were upside down, you know, and, and I was here standing in front of, of the stand, you know, with the, with the concerto and the notes upside down. And, mm. you know, I remember Angelo telling mom, you know, he couldn't believe that I was able to sight read so well, you know, and you know, he looked at the stands and the notes were upside down. Um, and then there was another instance, we were in an orchestra. Um, I was like, it was just, it wasn't really an orchestra. It was just like, a, I suppose a group and there was, you know, first violin, second violins, and I was really young. Um, but I... I, I was in the second violin section, let's say, but I was playing the first violin part. I was playing the melody because that's what I had learned. That's what I had picked up because Emer was in the first violins, my older sister, and I was playing her part, like among all the other people who were reading their notes, like all the other kids. I was there playing to my heart's content, you know, the first violin line. <laughs> and then it was just like, I knew then I was, I, you know, I, I just, I suppose mom or dad never really said it like they weren't like you need to you know you you stop doing that you know I suppose I was encouraged more than discouraged which right. I think was a I was very lucky you know as you know that I had that support yeah so um, I, I want to ask you a bit more about different instruments and what you get from exploring different instruments um, but maybe we could have another tune yeah can indeed um, that'd be brilliant what do you what do you what do you Clancy. Um, have you? I was going to say, have you any requests? But if you ask me to play a tune, I'm going to have to Google how the tune goes because I don't know names. <laughs> so maybe don't All do right. that. <laughs> uh, um, couple of jigs. Jigs. Okay. A couple of jigs. All right. There you go. All right. Cool. Uh, what are you going? To, what are you going to play? Um, I was actually just thinking there. I'm. I just brought down the whistle and the concertina, but I could. Um, I could get the pipes, maybe. Oh yes, please. Okay, I'll run up and get the pipes. So <laughs> two seconds. Okay. Oh, okay. lovely. Okay, I am back. You mentioned earlier on how you love airs on the. Oh yeah, I could do an air. So actually, an air maybe. either would work. Yeah. Could do an air. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of an air on the pipes. Oh, music to my ears. Sure. <laughs> Okay, I'll uh, lash out. So I'll play one called Queen in a Three Mirror. Um, one of my favourite areas to play. It's not that long as well, so in case anybody's like, no.
That was a slower called uh, Queen in a Three Mirror, uh, which is the Irish for Hail of the Three Marys. And there's actually another version of it online that Irla O'Leonard, um, he's a gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. uh, singer. Um, he, there's a version on YouTube if you type in Queen in a Three Mirror um, or Hail of the Three Marys, Irla O'Leonard, gorgeous, gorgeous version. That's actually where I learned there is off him. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll put some uh, links but, yeah, in the show a, notes. Put, put a, to a that. Link. Yeah, it's really, really nice version. He sings it. It's a, it's a song. Yeah. So it's, it's nicer. When did you first pick up a set of pipes then? What age were you? Um, so it was actually at the, the drumming lesson that Oliver showed me a video of his son, uh, Blackie, playing. And I saw the video of Blackie and I was like, oh my God, I want to learn the pipes. It's the first time I'd actually seen them or heard them, and I was really yeah. It's the first time I'd seen them or heard them because there was no pipers here. Like there's no piper from Kilfenora, um, or around the area. Like really, as in when I was when I was that age. Um, mm-hmm. um, so they weren't instruments that were you know it wasn't very common at all. Um, and yeah, it was the first time I'd seen them you know, in, in being played. And it was a video because Oliver said, you know, if you concentrate for the next 10 minutes, I'll give you a glass of orange juice, a biscuit, and you can watch television. And then I was like, right, I'll concentrate. I actually remember it as if it was yesterday. And then he showed me the video of his son, Blackie playing, who is uh, my teacher and uh, an amazing piper. And what's his name? Blackie, uh, Blackie O'Connell. Yeah. So Ma- Michael O'Connell, right. but, but, He'd be insulted if he said Michael to him, I think. <laughs> um, everyone knows him as Blackie. So do you, know what, do you know what it was about them? That, the sound, that yeah. Appealed to you? Captivated completely and utterly by the sound. I'd never heard anything like it before, you know, ever in my life. And he showed me the video and I was like, oh my good mother of God, like this is incredible. This is incredible. And yeah, I think it's yeah. the drones, obviously, like he's an amazing piper as well. So, you know, that obviously helped. Um, but it's the drones. And for me, then, I suppose I kind of developed my main style was through slow air playing. So, you know, I loved playing slow airs and kind of getting a sound on the pipes that you can kind of connect to and you can completely lose yourself, you know, playing a slow air and it's just that moment it's like a stillness that you feel mm-hmm. um when you're playing like even just there i had to like after i played it i was like oh you know because i hadn't actually played one in, a, in about a week which is a long time for me not to have played in there <laughs> when when you're starting to learn how do you begin to to build the ability to play do you start with yeah, so you simple two or three note sequences or yes yeah so you don't or? start with the full set you start with what's called a practice set so that's basically just um it's just a bag um a bellows the straps around your waist and then there's a little connection tube that comes off the bellows and you pump all the air with your right arm into the bag and it's connected with just like a little connection tube and then you pump all the air and then you press it out with your left hand onto the chanter so I suppose because I had played the tin whistle, it would be similar. It's not. It's not the same, um, but it, it, it's. 
I knew how it should sound. So I think that was a help. Like I knew when it didn't sound right. Um, and yeah, I just I just began doing the scale, putting all the fingers on. So I'm, I'm looking at the pipes here. So your your left hand, your right hand goes on the on the bottom and you four fingers use your uh, your baby, your third, your second and your first finger. And then on the top, you use your thumb, first, second, and third finger. So that's kind of the, it's kind of similar to a recorder, I suppose, finger-wise, but notes, yeah. the notes are different. Yeah. And then you just get used to doing the scale. It's more so, I think, getting used to the pressure of how much air you need. And, you know, because you have to pump a bit harder to get the second octave, so like the higher notes. And then, um, yeah, there's an awful lot to it. You know, you really have to want to do it. <laughs> you know, you really have to want to because, um, but I think knowing how it will sound if you do everything you're told to do was what kept me going. Cause I was like, I'm going to be able to play like that someday, or I'm going to be able to, you know, have a sound like that on the pipes. And that's kind of the, do you think there's something interesting there and I, and I, links back to what i had mentioned earlier on about this work ethic that i get runs through your life like i'm trying to think i shall ask you if you're you're so young and you've got all these instruments at your disposal and you're and you're mastering a lot of them what was the biggest drive for you was it the technicality of playing or was it the pure love of the rhythm and the sound were you like what was what was driving you um um, I suppose my whole, my whole, um, my whole, uh, my dad's after coming here now, he's wondering, he can, he can come in, it's okay. <laughs> um, you got Mr. Hurley? Yeah, they say hello. Um, but yeah, I think it was kind of a mixture of both. Um, it was the enjoyment I got out of music. It was the enjoyment I got out of the friends um, it was a lot of it was the social side of it um, you know like I said growing up in the countryside it's not as if you're surrounded by you know loads of people and mm-hmm. you know um, and it was every summer you know we used to spend it at the the flowers, um, which were you know big festivals and, and events and just the amount of friends you made through music and there, I never knew any age divide ever you know you grow up playing in sessions with somebody who could be, you know, whatever age. And, you know, even dancing at Kaylee's then, it's the same thing. You know, it was never a case of, it was just the inclusion. Um, yeah, it's interesting when you think about it too, like when you said the age thing, I, you're not the first person to mention the age thing. And I think my mind normally jumps to the extremities. I'm thinking of a, a nine-year-old girl playing with a 60-year-old man in a, in a session or whatever yeah. and that's kind of one of the beauties of it but really one of the real i uh, think um draws for younger people is that a nine-year-old girl can play with a 15-year-old girl yeah and that there's not many other social activities no. where those two people would be on the same like my kids play basketball yeah they'll never hang out to 15 year olds because there's just there's not, never going to be a crossover there yeah. where with the music there is and I, I can really see the appeal on that yeah and it's just it's just such a it's it's a, i think as well like not like leaving i suppose the social side of it it was more just the enjoyment like i was i was finding who i was through music as well even even at that age and even going through school like I wouldn't have been the best at sport and that was kind of the main only focus like there wasn't many other people in our school that played music maybe I'd say five or six people um, 
and that was in, in primary school you know growing up let's say and then maybe as we got older as we were you know 10 11 12 you know they started to maybe start but at that stage I already had like you know maybe six years done um and it was just it was just the happiness um the joy but you must have been putting in an incredible amount of practice as well like because the social side is great but that's kind of wouldn't have happened as much as the in, the percentage that you would have been practicing versus yeah the, so we the were always world. involved in whether it was um like you know group competitions solo competitions um but there was always, you know, there was never a focus on if you won in our house anyway. Like if you won, great. And if you got nowhere, you're still the same person you were when you came out of the competition, you know, same musician. So but you did win a whole lot, didn't you? Well, well yeah, I, I did. I mean, I was I was lucky enough too. but as in I don't take that as me being better than people who didn't win. And I and I and I mean that not in like a I, I genuinely mean that because on the day those two adjudicators, you know, thought that you know, I should win. And tomorrow it could be two completely different adjudicators and I mightn't come anywhere. And, you know, that's what I try to explain to students as well and to kids. I'm like, it's who's adjudicating you on that day. It's not defining you as a musician. And there are so many incredible musicians that never entered the flat and that, you know, they didn't need, they they didn't enter. As like I said, I much prefer the group competitions. You know, there's 20 people in a group, 10 people in a band and just the fun we'd have backstage, you know, you know, like before the competitions, going to all the practices, you know, I still remember them. It's like our, my best summaries were spent, yeah. you know, getting ready for the flas and solo competitions were more so, I'd say, to discipline us, you know, kind of um, for me anyway, like I'd have to actually pick tunes and, and, and people wouldn't believe this. And I didn't, I never really said it, but I could change my tune like right up before I went to the competition. And if I said that to anybody, they'd think that I was just saying it for you know like oh look how great I am I can change my tune but like the idea yeah. of practicing one tune for eight or nine months I'd be absolutely gone demented seven times over um it's funny you've really kind of your personality is so is is so split it's 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 hard for me to fathom how you can be so focused and and so distractible in, in oh yeah yeah at the same time it's yeah a, it sounds like it's a dangerous mix but you see it's it's more so like um I'm determined when it comes to something that I feel is going to better me as a person. Whereas winning a competition isn't going to better me as a person. It's only going to feed like, you know, the egotistic side of, and that was never a thing ever in our house. It wasn't like, you know, you could win. I remember there was one year, I don't know how many all Ireland's the three of us won together. And, And it wasn't a case of like, oh my God, we're so good now. It was more like, and, and and genuinely, there was never kind of, oh God, that's great now. You're better than so-and-so. I was like, you know, oftentimes people would think like, oh God, she was nearly, you know, expecting it because I wouldn't be like, oh my God. Whereas if we won in a band or group competition, we'd be running around like screaming and jumping. Whereas in the solo, I was very aware that the next day I was in maybe five or six other competitions and I could come nowhere. So it's, yeah. you know... It's probably the most common thing when we ask about competitions, the the idea that it, it was just that's who the adjudicators liked on the day. Yeah. Oh, is, absolutely. Is the most common thing that's said. Yeah. And, you know, it's everybody's taste. You know, it's it's kind of like anything, isn't it? You know, you you can't base your worth off of what another person thinks of you. Otherwise, you're, you're at some point in your life, you're going to be miserable. Um, so then like, there's a, I think there's a good kind of segue then to kind of talk about Riverdance because I'm sure... The competition part of when you were young is really the first 
kind of doing it for work mm. what age were you when you joined Riverdance I was 20 I was tw- I was 21 yeah 21 um, were you apprehensive about mixing pleasure and and work uh, oh no that, that was like just... a dream come true since yeah that was like the absolute dream like being able to being able to count Riverdance as as work as well as it actually just being something that I've you know wanted to do and I didn't really know how it was going to happen I didn't really know what how this how did, how did it happen um so how, how, how did it all come so together I was I like I said earlier I was I repeated my leaving cert and then I took a year out and then I was like right um I thought I wanted to do primary teaching and um next when I repeated I got the points and the whole lot and then I said actually no um I think I want to do music so taking that year out really I learned everything uh, I learned so much I didn't learn everything I'll never learn everything <laughs> um <laughs> But um, I learned an awful lot about music and I kind of threw myself in at the deep end, you know, I was in the big bad world then. Um, it was time to, you know, teach and, you know, teach music. And I was teaching in, in three different primary schools after school. And um, you can probably hear that. That's my dog trying to come inside. Um, sorry. Sorry. I'm not going to be quiet. <laughs> sorry, Susha. Um, but... Yeah, and then I ended up going back to, to UL, uh, University of Limerick, in September. Um, and I was doing Irish music and dance. And then two months in, I got a phone call. And this is, you know, this is exactly as it happened. Like, I'm not making anything up because even if the producers are listening to this, they'll know this is exactly as it happened. So some people don't even believe me. I'm like, well, why would I lie about this? But anyway... Um, I got a phone call and uh, it was like, oh, you know, hi, and I was convinced it was one of the lads in my class kind of, you know, having the laugh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it wasn't one of the lads in my class having a laugh. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, I got the, the call then being like, would you be interested in, in, a, in a, you know, a tour with Riverdance? And uh, like things like that, you would say that doesn't just happen you know that you get your dream job and um something like that would happen but it did and uh I, I remember being like oh my god and then an email came what does it entail like is it a, like when when you get that call is it do you just like life obviously oh it was like life as what it is stops and yeah something new starts so right? so I, I remember i found out about it in I'm sorry, I'm going to have to open the door for her because she's going to keep scratching at the door. One second, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, right. sorry, sorry. She won't stop unless I stop her. Now, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm back. They're all right. Very needy, Bernie's. Oh, she's at it again. Oh my God, Saoirse. So you do you do you just go straight down and start rehearsing? Yeah. Or? So uh, we got the email, and um, it was uh, it was the first year that they were doing um, an, an all uh, female uh, band, and um, we got the email, everything, and I found out. I think it was December. I found out and or was it november 
think it could have been November, late November, December. And I couldn't tell anybody um, because um, it was like this, you know, it had to be official and we had to sign a contract and I hadn't any of that signed yet, you know. So it was kind of like a big figure, but I knew it, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, I remember I couldn't, I didn't tell my friends, I didn't tell them, I didn't tell my sisters actually until it was all official because I wanted to make sure it was definitely definite, you know. Well, it's riveting. It's the highest rank. Yeah, exactly. In, and that's why I was kind of like, I want, I'll believe it once I've, you know, but I knew it was going to be like legit and everything. And so uh, what happened then? Um, yeah, we just were getting emails, getting updates. And then I think what made it really real was we got our, um, I had to tell the college, I had to tell the college that I was going to be leaving. Now, bearing in mind that he just started in September, and then yeah. I had to take three weeks off because my appendix burst, so I was missing for three weeks, and then I I was just back. Yeah, so it was, I think it was the end of November. I was only back like two weeks, and uh, I was then like, so, um... <laughs> got this thing <laughs> and but they were great in fairness um you know that's what their course caters for being able to go and tour um so i actually got to finish first year so i was the, the tour didn't start until march but we had rehearsals from february on so and in ul in oh, uni- what are rehearsals what are rehearsals like um so you, so with the her- rehearsals where we had um when I say rehearsals, I took, um, I had to learn the whole score. Um, so I, I, like Niall gave me February, we had to go up and down to Dublin because we had to do these like, you know, costume fittings and things like that. Like there's so much involved in it. It's so much more than just, um, you know, going in and doing it. And, and that's kind of it. I remember I had to get new low whistles. I had to get a new travel pipes case and, um, but I took the time off from college to basically learn the whole show. And um, I then, we had two weeks of rehearsals in Dunboyne Castle. And they had like a warehouse in Dunboyne. We were staying in Dunboyne Castle. And then they had like a, a warehouse there. And they had the whole stage built up and made inside in the warehouse. So that, that was where we got to you know do a run through the show and it was also the four of us were brand new the four musicians were brand new it was all of ours first tour so we were so lucky you know because here you're joining a company you're joining dancers who've been there for nine years and we were the youngest we were the newest and there was only I think there was only like eight new people on that tour which isn't a lot you know and four of us were the band and, and I think four were dancers and what what is what size is the is the tour like with, you, with dancers and band and um, production? the whole like, what, lot what, the crew what goes the um quarter um there's two we've two touring buses and then there's a sleeper bus for the crew and then the two buses that bring all the stage um so that would be the the US so they have two there's two kind of tours going at the same time it's all the same company so you have the US tour and then there's like the European tour or the UK tour. So, um, right. yeah, so the, the US tour is a lot bigger, um, a lot bigger production. 
than the UK and the European tours. Um, but we've done all of them. Like, so we've done, we've seen, you know, the, obviously some of the, the stages in the States are bigger. Like we were lucky enough to be in Radio City Music Hall in March. Um, that was actually the last show that was in Radio City for 2020. Um, really? And then, you know, we've done, you know, smaller theatres then as well. Um, you know, maybe like two, three thousand people, which isn't small at all <laughs> by any means. Um, so. And I, I, when you when you're um, touring like that, are you are you able to enjoy it, or is there a point at which it becomes? Oh no! Like we're and and I a grind. no like once I think we're lucky in the sense that once we have our sound check done. So a typical week, let's say, would be travel day Monday and uh travel day monday and then you arrive at your hotel maybe monday evening and then tuesday we'd have the day off until sound check that's normally around five do your sound check five to quarter to six and then showtime will be eight might be half seven depending on the on the theater and um then finish the show um ten and then you're off for the night and then the next day if you're in a usually we'd be there for maybe three to four nights um apart from maybe a one-nighter and if it was a one-nighter you'd you more than likely travel that night to the next place so you still would have the day off the next day until like five o'clock or something yeah. um so yeah we're very lucky like i think yeah it's a nice bit of downtime yeah and when we're in somewhere for a week we literally have the whole week off apart from the show um, once you've the sound checked on in the venue, you have you know the whole day off. So we'd be doing a lot of exploring, and I was actually looking. Do you have a tune when you in your downtime? Sorry. Oh yeah, and do you have a tune in your downtime? Yeah, and that's another thing we made more time to do. Like I think it was like my fifth or fifth or sixth tour. Um, like my last two tours, let's say. Um, we were like, do you know what, like. I'm going to try and do a tune in every in every venue every city and um i did i did do that and I'm, i was actually looking back at the footage there um i have on my gopro and i have so many tour videos but i just never got a chance to edit them because uh, yeah every time you know any downtime we had we'd always be going exploring or we try to kind of do a lot of activities and um you know i remember we did sunrise and the brooklyn bridge in new york and like that's just and and the funny thing about that was we arrived into New York in it was Mar- it was right before everything shut down it was literally like we did our last show and then we were on a flight home two days later, um, and I we arrived in we were coming from Binghamton New York so it was about maybe a three hour two hour three hour drive, so we travelled that night after the show from Binghamton to New York City, and we got in at around maybe half two in the morning into a hotel. And I had said to um, I had said to Haley um, Haley Richardson, the fiddle player, I was like, "Oh, um, you know, would you be up for doing Brooklyn Bridge to like in a in a few hours? You know, get up for sunrise and and do it." Now, bearing in mind we were in Radio City for the whole week, we could have done it any time, uh, or so we thought. Um, but anyway, this was Tuesday morning. No, it was Monday morning. And she was like, right, let's do it. So we got into the hotel, had like 
two hours sleep and then we got up and we got an Uber and we did sunrise on the Brooklyn Bridge and and then we loved it so much the next day I did it with the saxophone player Emma Frampton and then we did it on the Wednesday and we were like or on the Tuesday and we were like oh do you know what maybe we'll wait until towards the end of the week like let's just kind of get settled and then I was like no we need to do it now it's incredible and we spent that whole day going because there were kind of talks of COVID, you know, and stuff. And I was like, oh, sure, you never know the way the world is going now. You know, this might be our last day. So we went all out. We went to like, we went shopping. We went to like Saks Fifth Avenue, which like you'd see in like the movies. And we were like, yeah, yeah. you know, we weren't dressed at all. We were dressed for like a day of adventures. <laughs> we weren't dressed up to yeah. be in Saks. Like we didn't even know if we'd get in because we were wearing runners and like a hoodie and having time of our lives but yeah. anyway we got in and we got like a dessert and a nice coffee and um and that was our last day together that's the last day i spent and that was it yeah and then that was it do you do you, do you, do you miss them oh like there's no tomorrow yeah 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 i i miss them yeah i miss I miss tours. I miss and and we were actually we had a Zoom chat there um, with a couple of the, the the crew and it's not even it's not even the it's it's the people it's you know because they're mm. you're, you spend you know seven eight months of your year with these people sometimes ten months of your year with these people for the last you know this has been my fifth year in the Gaiety in Dublin. You know, I'd, I've spent all my summers with Riverdance in the Gaiety and this would have been our fifth year there. So it's kind of like, it's a huge chunk of your life kind of spent with certain people and then it's completely stopped, you know. Um, so then what does someone like you that's that has your personality and is so driven, you, obviously Riverdance is just by necessity taking up that mm. um that energy what have you done like what what do you what have you put your energy into in the last nine months um so i've um been doing um a couple of other projects um bill has been great uh he's you know given a good bit of work um there's a, a new movie coming out actually that we got to do some of the music for um and that was fun um so we got to to do a few pieces with that um i what else have i done someone asked me this recently and i couldn't think of anything and then afterwards i thought well i'm having one of those moments again um uh oh yeah yeah i did two um i did two projects with ended mc um he's a producer from um from galway and or he's living in Galway and um you know we got to do like virtual kind of things like that so we did a Nora Jones song and we did a a, a Foy Vance song um and what else did we do oh yeah I did um just I've been writing a lot of my own stuff as well and um, yeah 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 that's it I'm also training for a uh, half Ironman in August so I put a lot of what do you reckon if we if we had a tune I would love to ask you about the half hour man I'd love to ask you about you getting up at 5am in the morning <laughs> and I'd love to ask you about your your recorded works yeah. so do you reckon we could have a, um, a tune and then we'll have a few more questions yeah. and then we'll finish up lovely stuff yeah I'll get on the pipes and play it play a tune on the pipes Do you know what? I'll play a different tune altogether. <laughs> 
Lovely. What was that? Uh, I've no clue. Great. I did great all along with the names. I don't know what that tune was called. Uh, um, brilliant drive to it. Loved it. Yeah, I don't actually. I, and I never knew the name of it. I always have this conversation, and I don't, not many people know the name of it either. So there we go. If anybody knows solved. the name of that, I know our listeners. They you. always come through. Yeah. <laughs> I've been really impressed with the, the uh, listeners. They've. I think that I don't think there's any episode now that doesn't have an unnamed tune. So. Yeah, big ups to. Well, there to you go. <laughs> to take it clear. So yeah, I, the, when when I um when I spoke to you the other day, you told me you get up at five a.m. Yeah. Every morning, and this is this is all rolled in with the half Iron Man and yeah. What, what um what's what's all this about then? So yeah, I um now I have to say there's been I was telling you that there's been um a few mornings where I've um slept in. Um, I woke at half six and the latest I ever woke, I think was seven, 10 past seven. And I was disgusted with myself because I was like, <clears throat> because you're meant to do 66 days of, um, you have to get up at 5am and it, it's based on this practice by, um, Robin Sharma. So Robin Sharma, um, he is a best-selling author and, um, he wrote, uh, many books, uh, one of which is called the 5am club. And basically the book, uh, he also wrote The Monk That Sold His Ferrari and he wrote The Greatness Guide. Um, um, but the 5am club anyway basically goes through kind of principles um, that focus your, that focus you basically. So it's kind of, you start your day uh, with um exercise so from 5 to 5:20 you do 20 minutes um of a hit workout or um or it doesn't have to be a hit workout it can be anything it would take me 20 minutes to get out of bed yeah and you see that's the thing <laughs> I call that my exercise like that's the thing um you know he he says you know that you're not going to feel the same at 20 past 5 as, as you do at 5 o'clock so you know you kind of just have to think of the feeling of it's kind of like music as well like you know if you start doing something you're not going to be you know you're not going to be the professional musician when you first start you know but once you kind of keep going and, and keep doing it you know um you know you'll, you it's more so you kind of think of the the outcome um yeah nice analogy yeah so um yeah, so like it's kind of it. So it's a 2020 20, 20 formula. It's called. So from five to five twenty, you exercise. Five twenty to five forty, you do um, like a reflection journal work. So um, I'm looking at another book here, and that's my my gratitude book. Um, and I write in the gratitude book every day, and then. Um, uh, from 5.40 to 6 o'clock then you educate yourself so um, you can learn you just pick 20 minutes out of your day to educate to learn um, about anything that interests you basically and mm -hmm. I want to start learning the pipes at 20 to 6 in the morning yeah you'd have great neighbours <laughs> friends <laughs> <laughs> so, so Tara what, what appeals to you about this sort of structured approach I suppose, um, good question. Um, I read the book with an open mind and I think that was 
you know, I didn't read it going, I'm, I know when I said it to a couple of people, they're like, oh my God, you're like, that's crazy. And that's okay. They're just not on the same kind of, I was open, I was open to it. You know, I'd heard of it and I, I had heard a lot about Robin Sharma and I was open to maybe adapting such practice into my life, you know, and... Um, Why? Uh why i suppose i felt i needed some sort of a, a a change a structure and it was because of covid um i felt you know i was getting up in the morning and i was feeling guilty if i didn't have you know if i wasn't doing something i was kind of feeling like oh my god like what am i what's my purpose what's my kind of focus you know it was kind of this feeling of like identity loss because tour had stopped and even when tour wasn't going on, you'd be doing pub gigs, you'd be doing weddings, you'd be doing corporate gigs, you know, you'd be doing, you'd be doing something, you know, but when everything stopped, I, I kind of, um, it's actually, it's going to be a, a line in the, in the, in the track that's going to be released soon, you know, inside of this lockdown, maybe we're free. And I really just explored kind of how I was able to, to grow as, as a person, not attached to anything only just you you know me myself and I and um I was very intrigued and I think that was my why I was intrigued you know why get up at five o'clock in the morning why not just get up at seven why not get up at six and his his belief system um you know it's starting you know it's you're like you're starting your day you know um kind of with the intention of I suppose starting it well and end your day well, you know. Um, so yeah, like it's to think that you have like by seven o'clock you can have most of your stuff done, and um, then you have the time that everybody says they have no time for, you know. And I used to say that too. I'm like, I don't have any time. I have no time. You make time if you want to make the time. And it's, it's like that with everything, isn't it? You know, if you want to do something, you'll make sure you get time to do it. And um, it's just creating that, that space for making time. And as I was reading the book, um, I was also learning about him and I was listening to a lot of his podcasts and I was listening to, um, he's a great YouTube channel. I think I was, I was telling you about it. Um, he has, yeah, I watched some videos. Yeah, he has a great YouTube channel and I just feel... It's really taking the ego. I just think that, you know, the ego is so present in so many ways in our lives and we don't even realize it, you know. Um, you know, you mightn't even, you know, it's kind of asking yourself, why am I doing this? You know, why am I, you know, posting that picture of, you know, something? You know, is, is it because you're actually happy in that moment posting it or is it because you want to, you know, show off to somebody and, and say, oh, look where I am, look what I have, as opposed to it coming from a different place and just asking yourself that question, really. And that's what I loved about his book. It was really kind of just, it's it's a fantastic book. And if I can recommend anybody to, you know, it might take you a, a chapter or two to get into it and to kind of understand it um, because it's a story. Um but it's just phenomenal. It's it's an it's an absolutely just how not to judge a book by its cover. Um, 
you know, that's a message throughout the book, you know, and, you know, to not associate yourself with the materialistic things and to kind of just bring you back to basics of, you know, that glow of compassion, understanding and, um, and yeah, it, it's really just, we get distracted. I, you know, I've talked about that, like I can get distracted very easily. And, um, you know, while social media is a great tool, you know, to kind of promote your work and, and stuff, I feel like I was using it, I was kind of going down the wrong route. I was, you know, looking at all these pictures of everybody doing everything and, and then I'd waste time on it. And then I'd feel like, oh, why did I just waste time on that? You know, and constantly checking your phone. And so I've reduced my screen time a lot um, after reading the book and um especially before you know you go to bed you know it's really detrimental to spend an hour on on your phone i have found anyway i'm not i'm not preaching you know to anybody i'm not telling anybody what they should or shouldn't do it's just personally um i'd say it goes in the same vein as don't smoke at this stage sorry we know it's bad for you yeah i think it's in that it's in the same category as don't smoke yeah yeah um and it's just kind of you know, you, you can get so consumed by, uh, well, I found anyway, you know, just the, trying to find, um, just trying to find a balance between, you know, Instagram, it is a highlight reel and it's great for, you know, showcasing what you can do. And, and I really think it's the reason why, you know, a lot of us were able to keep sane during lockdown by, you know, watching other people's videos and, things like that but it's just not to use it in a way that's actually affecting your mental health you know um just reduce your screen time and kind of just find trying to find yourself and like we spoke about earlier like finding your own voice and what you're you know you're what you're getting out of it you know and if you're not getting much out of it then um i went off i remember i went off it for a couple of days and it was frightening the amount I thought about going on it. Frightening, like, and I'll admit yeah. that. You know, I was... It kills me. I actually, I gave, I gave Facebook up for about, it was nearly three years. It was definitely over two years. Yeah. And it was great. And I didn't, actually, I didn't have any other social accounts. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm no angel. Like, I was a, a Reddit fiend yeah. during that time. Yeah. But when we started this podcast, Dom was the same. You deleted Facebook when we had... Yeah, a couple of years ago. Mm. So then by the time we came around to starting a podcast, we knew we'd have to to share it about mm. both of us joining back up. And I, I look after all the social media and stuff. Yeah. And like, to be honest with you, Tara, like that, at the, in the last couple of weeks particularly, it's eaten me up. Like I'm just... Mm. I feel like I'm drowning. I don't like... I honestly don't know how to um, to manage it. Like it's, it's hard. Mm. And like... I'm an alcoholic, so I've gone through, yeah, gone like knowing what it is to to stay away from something, and I know I'm not a person that can have a little bit of anything, yeah. But I can see, I can see the the habits, I can see the it's incestuous, and I can even I don't know how you're supposed to do it from a professional, not prof- like what me and Dom yeah, do, are not professional, but it's, it is professional. It is, yeah. yeah. How do you manage it and not let it seep in, like the need to see a little red tag come up yeah. or you like to, it to, is it's, it's to be allowed to it is it's it's really it's it's frightening how addicted it is an addiction it's a, it's a dopamine addiction of validation that other people think that you know you're living this great life and that's what's 
that's what's worrying you know um while it, it is a great tool to kind of um like it is a great tool to you know it's the only way really now to kind of share your music and and stuff but like you said it's the balance between um using it professionally and then kind of detaching yourself from um detaching yourself from the the negative sides of it and what what i have done and maybe it might help you um in in some way but what i have done is i would would mark out you know from 10 to 11 you know what you need to get done on it or you know pick a time that would suit you or or, you know pick a time you know and say okay from 10 to 11 I'm going to do this and then when I've posted that and when I have done my advertising or when I have done my you know video upload then I I actually log out like log out so when you feel like that's when the good bit happens that's when like the real drug bit kicks in that's when the little red dots start appearing i know but that's when you have to stop that's when yeah i know i'm listening yeah i shouldn't joke once you have a pose oh sure i know like i'm like i you know i would do it as well you know i'm not saying that i'm like no don't do that you know of course it's it's when you see oh who's liked it who's seen it like i wonder will so and so but that's what you do so you would upload and then oh yeah oh you have to so yeah because otherwise off. i mean i only started doing that because otherwise you know you'd be waiting for like maybe a certain person to see it and then you know if they don't if they don't like the picture you know you're like oh the bastard god like you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> so i i have found once i upload something now onto facebook whether it's facebook or instagram I upload it and then I um, if you keep refreshing it and, ch- and keep checking it you know it's not healthy because you're it's it's scary it's isn't it actually scary how you know you're so consumed by it like it's frightening yeah. it is it's all addictive traits like they're just they're so recognizable I'm sure anyone's seen yeah. like the like this the anxiety you get when you don't have your phone like that's a big like if you know you're going to be somewhere and you won't have your phone yeah. and you feel a pang of oh shit that's not a good sign yeah. that's a that's a definite sign of addiction to me anyway yeah. um anyway so. i don't want to i feel like i'm projecting too so I'll no 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 back. but I, I i mean we all we are addicted to our screens and that's another thing that the 5am club the book kind of talks about how you know if you're you know kind of we're addicted to distraction and and he actually does a, a youtube video on it i think it's called addicted to distraction um and it's how we are kind of, we are, we, we don't, we don't really want to do what we have to do. You know, mm-hmm. you, you procrastinate. So by procrastinating, you do something else. And more nine times out of 10, you take up your phone and you're scrolling yep. and you keep on scrolling and then you go to Facebook and then you might go to Pinterest and then you might go to somewhere else. Um, so that's the illusion of being busy yeah yeah being busy being busy and he talks about that too you know people are being they're busy being busy um whereas if you actually do two good hours or three good hours of no distraction of work you know that's a really good day and it sounds like nothing but if you actually ask yourself did i do a whole hour of work without looking at my phone without checking my accounts um uh you know like that has even changed my life you know i've a because I can't say too much about it now, but there is a, there will be stuff launching um, in, in the new year. And, um, 
just you know when you say brainstorming sessions and stuff like when you're doing that you get so far and then you you just look at your phone and, you, and you've taken up before you even know you know your phone lights up because you got a notification and um you know you, you check it whereas now I'm like I actually just put it on do not disturb that's a fantastic feature <laughs> I wish I used mm-hmm. it more <laughs> you know yeah. um and you can still allow certain calls to come in you know so if someone really needs to contact you they'll call you you know if it's important um but that is a big one that being snapped out of out of flow whether the phone pulls you out or you allow mm. the the niggling um, I'll just check that happens to me yeah that I, I think that's the thing that annoys me most because i really enjoy that i like getting into something and i like I, I enjoy being busy yeah but it's that i know i get distracted for silly reasons which then takes away from the input that i should have had in the thing i actually care about yeah exactly and it's kind of just you know i i do think it's a great tool you know i do think it's great um but you just have to watch yourself on it and that just comes from you know years of like I suppose uploading videos but you know I did a I did a series last year on Facebook um at 365 I did a video every day for a year and um I um I I actually can safely say that the way I I treated my Facebook and the way I treated my Instagram were two different things I used to worry so much more about Instagram than I than as in a worry meaning I was more kind of anxious on, on Instagram because that was where I felt, uh, how am I trying to say this? Like Facebook, I like I, I loved uploading my music to Facebook because, you know, if I was making just one person happy on it. But I think with Instagram, there's just kind of like that pressure to, you know, be a certain way or to, to look a certain way. And anytime I felt like, oh, the picture isn't right, like I wouldn't upload it. Because uh, I was aware of it, I was aware, you know, and I'm I'm grateful that I was aware. Because I think it gets dangerous when you're not aware and you're just living a false kind of sense of being, to kind of show the world that maybe you're, you know. And I remember someone said to me, they were like, "Oh, sure, like you're living the dream, you're happy every day." And I was like, "Oh my God!" Like I hope that my account isn't kind of, you know, portraying something that's not real. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. And then that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to post something that I'm actually happy in the moment posting, not to, I suppose, make it look as if I'm anything that I'm not. And um, even with Facebook, like I, I could post a picture of dog of my dog, and I'd be more happy if if Saoirse went viral than I would be if I did. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so so with the 365 video you did like at the end of doing something like that is that a net positive or net negative from a, a personal perspective I, I, and i mean with absolute relation to what we're talking about your mental health and, and i was and i've been very lucky you know i yeah no I, I i never depended on you know if a video only got a certain amount of views i wouldn't be like oh, that only got that amount of views like it was one of the best experiences I've ever right. done. And yeah. I can safely say that like it, it really, really, I enjoyed, you know, every day it was live on the day. I never pre-recorded a video. So every video I did, I did it on the actual day. So like on the 5th of January, it was the video taken on the 5th of January. And on the 6th of January, yeah. it was the video. 
So there's a story behind every day. So it's basically a visual diary. And I can remember every single day. Because, you know, if you saw a picture on your phone, you'd be like, oh, I remember that day. Like, we did this. Like, I have that for the whole year. And I kept little notes on my phone of, like, things would happen. And no matter what happened kind of through the day, it was actually... It wasn't even so much about uploading the video. It was more meeting the people and pre-COVID when, you know, we got to go to people's houses and we'd sit down, we'd have tea, we'd have chats. And it was a it was a beautiful way to kind of meet so many new people and, and musicians and dancers and singers and, um, you know, poets. And in the music scene, you know, like I, you know, I was saying earlier, you might know somebody, but you don't really know them. Whereas this was kind of mm-hmm. like a, a, not an excuse, but kind of a way in to be like, hey, like I'm doing this video series, like I'd love to meet up for a few tunes and a chat. And the amount of like gorgeous, gorgeous nights and, and, and days and evenings, you know, spent with people sharing stories and, you know, even, you know, sadly two, two people in, 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 my, in my series um, have since passed away and, you know, even just to have a video with them you know i spent time with them and it was never done in a rush the only ones that were done in a rush were uh ones when time was against us and i might have you know taken a video and you know could have had a really busy day and and i I did a video on my own and a couple of them were uploaded on 12 12 o'clock on the dot (laughs) 1201 yeah. actually there was one technically got it yeah we we did i did one um i went to see john mayer up in dublin and um we had finished the concert and and now doors opened at six so i was like okay we'll definitely be finished by like 10 no everything will be over by 10 20 past 11 we were like oh my god got out of the three arena and and he just did one solo sorry and he just did one solo yeah, he there was no support act <laughs> like yeah, it was one unbelievable, like a concert that I'm never going to forget for the rest of my life, and it was his birthday as well. So um, it was just a, a beautiful. But I remember thinking then afterwards, uh, oh my god, I have to do my video. Like, what am I going to do? I'd no instrument with me, and usually I, I carry like a tin whistle in my bag. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I need to find somebody to do a video with. And it was twenty past eleven in Dublin, and then we were in one of those like kind of bike things uh what what are they called you know they they cycle them and you're in the back and there's a name for like them. The, yes oh like the there was what do they call them ba, ba, it's not a what am i trying to think of i can't but you the know the things i'm talking about the tucked yeah yeah um yeah. we're in one of those and I, and I heard a man singing busking and i was like we have to get off um because i was just going to find a quiet spot um like to sing a song with you know the people that i i, I was with uh, were singers so i was like look we'll just find a spot and we'll sing a song sure like this is in in dublin city like where everything is nightlife is hopping and here i was trying to record a video for my video series but anyway there's a man singing and um he sang i asked him would he mind doing a video and he did and he sang a stunning version of um the fields of athen rye and uh neve sang my friend she sang with me and i sang and the video got uploaded um at literally 1201 um and yeah it was you know like things like that memories like that there's so many funny memories from videos and our wi-fi wasn't working at home so we'd have to drive into a stymie or a hinge to upload the video and sure then we'd get a sandwich and we'd get a cup of tea so (laughs) i love how again like even just that one project is a is an example of your 
your personality like it just you commit 100 percent. yeah you're gonna do it and and it gets you done know, and it gets done to the best it can be done yeah and it's kind of as well like i i would try to you know the, the, the videos i wouldn't i wouldn't place any great amount of um time on having them to be like perfect and i remember the funny thing about this is my very first video that i did i had put it off the whole day i was like oh i don't know if i if i upload it now tonight it means i have to do it for the rest of the year you know so anyway i was doing it i told three of my friends i was going doing it and i was like okay i think i'm going to do this i think i'm going to do it but you know i had doubts and i was like oh, i don't know will i be able and oh you know Ugh. and they kept texting me like throughout the day being like tara you haven't got video uploaded and like, it was new year's day and i was i had a gig that night in la Hinch. and um I remember we were actually late we were we were going to be late for the gig the gig was at half nine it was nine o'clock at the stage now we're 15 minutes from hinge so we'd need to have been leaving just to be there in time and stuff and uh it was t- and it was actually 10 to 9 i think and uh i was like okay i have to t- take the video so i remember i did my hair and i you know uh put on a bit of makeup and i had a nice outfit on and i had the christmas tree was in the background and the camera was all set up you know yeah. and i was you know I spoke I was like welcome to day one of 365 days by Tara <laughs> and sure then by day nine I was like welcome to day nine of 365 days by Tara. Yeah. <laughs> like no makeup you know and even getting over that myself kind of getting over that fear of having to look a certain way for the day you know who are the day you know mm. I was like they're going to see me for a year they're going to see me with no makeup on they're going to see me with greasy hair they're going to see me with tracksuit bottoms on they're going to see me in the same jumper so um and you know kind of learning from that you know just accepting yourself i think that's the hardest thing because we were never really no one really tells you that in school to kind of be like look you are enough on your own you know um without any kind of (laughs) no kidding without any 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 need to fit in or to do anything like that but yeah it was a fantastic like and and like i said there i never placed any I didn't think I was any better or any worse, you know, if there was maybe 20 likes or 200 likes or, you know, um, but it was, it was the lovely comments from people I'd never met, you know, that would say, yeah, there there was one man and um, he was really, he's really sick and he's in the States and he said, you know, when I watch your videos, I don't feel any pain. And like just to get that message i remember that would keep me yeah. going on the days where i'd be kind of like oh my god what am i going to do today like what am i going to play today what will i sing today where will i go today you know and and then i thought of you know and there were many people like that and, and i i started getting like little gifts and i was getting cards from people and you know it, it just it, it just became so it was such a such a lovely lovely way to connect with people I'd never met before and and then you know I I remember there was a man who was following my videos and he was a piper and he came over to Ireland to celebrate his birthday he celebrated his 30th birthday in Ireland and then he he celebrated his 40th birthday in Ireland and you know he was like you know I'd love to do a video with you and I used to love that when people would ask me can I do a video with you because that meant that I wouldn't have felt as much of a burden asking them because then do you know, you don't want to put pressure on your friends either being like, yeah, yeah. will you do a video with me? And, you know, they were like, oh, when? I'm like, in the next hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I never had them planned ahead and dad used to say to me on Sunday like he'd be like okay Tara will you try and plan ahead your week now because you can't be asking people last minute I'm like yeah but they know that they're not a last resort when I ask them on the day because everything is done on the day and um like that's me that's the brand yeah but like that was the spontaneity of it you know like I I remember mom and I would be like oh sure look we'll get a coffee first went in got a coffee and then Michelle Bonhomme and Colin Shanks were inside the cheese press two great musicians and I was like do you have instruments with you by any chance and they were like there's a mandolin and there in the cheese press so I played the mandolin and then they, he had a whistle and a flute in the car. So then that was my video done for the day. It was like half 11 in the morning. I was like, happy days. My video was done. You know, yeah. uh, when the video got done before 12 o'clock in the day, you knew it was going to be a great day because you had your video done. <laughs> and take the rest of it off. Yeah. Um, and Tara, thank you so much for this evening. We, we had a ball. Oh, thank Do you, you think we could... Um, actually yeah. you know what it's funny because we were chatting there about social stuff and i was thinking geez when i come to the end normally i uh i ask our guests where people can follow them and i kind of was like well like it's a bit isn't that a bit weird but in saying that i would i do want people to follow you because in the end of the day you're an artist you're well you're out of work yeah, alone, yeah, and, what's yeah, artists are. and i want to send people to the right places and you know as much as I gripe about social, it is how we. It is how we communicate. To... It is, and and it is it so is it is a, it system. is a tool you know that we can use in our advantage once once we're just aware of it to be. Robin Sharma describes it as it's a great servant, but never have it as your master. So, mm-hmm. that's kind of the. I'm obsessed with him as well. If I ever meet him, I'm just going to be quoting him to him. I'll be like, "Do you know you said this? <laughs> and do you know you also yeah. said this? I loved when you said." Yeah. This. So the, the, um, the, the main one will be for your recorded music. Where can people buy that? Um, yeah, so I'm going to... Um, my website is actually starting to get done at the moment, my own website, but it'll be all on my Facebook page, which is Tara Howley yep. Music on Facebook and mm-hmm. then Instagram as well. It's Tara Howley Music. Um, so Lovely. Well, I'll, I'll make sure there's links to that in the show notes and anything else that we had a chat about today and thanks yeah, a million and for, thank- for, um, for having me I was, I was delighted to be uh, delighted to be asked our pleasure thank you for saying yes yeah um, uh, what do you fancy playing um, I finish off? might play what will I play what will I play I could do what will I play I do a tune on the whistle maybe um yeah, whistle to start, whistle to whistle finish. To start, yeah, a good way to start today, a good way to end the day. It was nice and cyclical. We've was finding yourself, and we come back to finding yourself, and we'll start with the whistle. Yeah, the whistle. didn't even. Yeah, there we go.
it was hot in here when that we was. recorded that. The issue with temperature, I find, is and why I don't mind the cold too much is you can always put on more clothes, but there's a limit <laughs> in polite society, yes. <laughs> in professional society, how much you can take off. And we were, I was already down to shorts and a t-shirt, barefoot by the end of that. Yeah, it was it was hot. So like, if you notice that I made I go a bit quiet towards the end of that conversation it's because i was lying on the concrete floor with a wet rag over my face trying to not expire while listening to tara talking about social media and stuff which was great actually so really interesting to hear somebody who seems so um fluent in social media talking about the challenges that they have as a you know as a digital native i guess Mm. i think tara's energy and work ethic too is like when i walked away from that interview i felt i felt the I forget oh, what's his name. The Robin Sharma, his energy via Tara into me feeling right. like, yeah, yeah, I, I need to, you know, address some things. Live your dreams. Live the dreams. <laughs> but it's tr- like it is true. Like over the last four days, I've completely been checking myself and my relationship with social media. I've taken a few walks just to be mindful, and I feel like today is the best I've felt in in forever got the, uh, the music equipment again i've been playing music like just checking in making sure looking after yourself being mindful makes a difference and it's one of the easiest things to lose and forget or push aside to let other things get in the way because mm-hmm. really all of the other things in the world don't really matter the moment the, the now the present matters and if, i find if i'm focusing on that the other stuff gets better by itself Fair that's news. that yeah. right um, patreon.com forward Sorry. right now to do a bit of begging after going <laughs> down and deep into the soul and exposing myself yet again this this podcast is seems to be oversharing a lot anyhow that's that's, the nature that's of the what beast. we're here for yeah. that's why it's a podcast uh what i was going to say is yes a bit of begging at the end of all of that at the end of the show if you enjoyed it and you think geez every week the pilgrims get on such interesting guests they really do share you know what i could chip in a few dollars we open our hearts yeah please head over to patreon.com forward slash Balani Pilgrims and you'll notice I did the begging in a different style and that's what I'm going to try and do from this week on. It's going to be a whole new adventure in asking for money. So thank you again to all of our patrons and thank you to everybody else who's listening and thanks Tara Hayley. Thanks Tara. See you next next week. week. Bye. Hi, my name is Pietro. Please become a good subscriber to the podcast. Thank you.